Hello and welcome to the Edinburgh Napier University Sports Podcast. I'm here with Andrew Morrison and um, Callum Duncan, and we'll be covering some of the spo- local sports news today. So Kevin Nisbet, scoring in the Hearts Derby, clubs across Easter, uh, clubs across Europe are interested in his, in securing his services, according to BBC News. Galatasaray, Sheffield United, Millsbrough and Melwall scouts have all been seen at Easter Road. What do you think of this, Alum? Yeah. Cal- Callum, not Callum. Andrew. Uh, I mean, yeah, Andrew. Like, like you said as well, uh, scored the winner in the Edinburgh Derby against Hearts, of course. Uh, he's been a good player uh, throughout the season. Many people um, kind of are going to uh, always have the debate between who's better, Kevin Nisbet or Lawrence Shankland. Uh, I can't really argue that 10 goals in 14 games for Kevin Nisbet. Um, Shankland, from what I've seen, has a similar record, but he's scored a few penalties. So for me personally, um, watching Lauren Shankland for Scotland as well uh, against Spain, um, I, I, I personally think that maybe there's a bias, but I think that Nisbet's maybe just the better player. I'm taking next on the United bias. I'm saying, I'm saying oh, Shankland well. all the way. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, the next season will be the final year of Kevin Nisbet's contract. What do you think it will mean for him and Hibernian? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't see him signing a new contract if clubs like Galatasaray, even though they are a small Turkish club, because you need to get that reference in there. Um, I think, yeah, um, with the money Galatasaray have got, um, I think in Turkey and the Turkish league as well. Even though I think the Scottish fans, they always kind of, you know, um, I, yeah, I think that um, clubs like Galatasaray, if they come in, he's going to go. Um, yeah. It's a change up for him, a change of scenery. Um, clubs, uh, the championship, top end of the championship as well. Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, Millwall this season in the playoffs, if not all around it. Uh, again, the money in England, even in the championship, uh, way more than it would be, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's got to be at least 10 times as good. So I don't see him turning an offer like that down if um, an offer is accepted because I know Millwall, of course, are in there. Uh, they had an offer rejected uh, mm-hmm. January, I believe. So yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I think that, yeah. Uh, next uh, final year of his contract, I don't see Hibs are going to make the same mistake they did with uh, Ryan Porteous, where of course he went to uh, Watford in the free and he's doing bets down there. So, yeah, um, I think casting on him in the summer is probably your best bet if you're certain he's going to leave, which yeah, I think they might do. So, do you believe that the transfer battle is um, in be- between Millwall and Galatasaray leading the race for uh, Kevin Nisbet? Uh, I don't necessarily. I think that Millwall are going to be, of course, offer, so they're going to be in there, but I think that um, between Millwall and Galatasaray, you know, uh, as I've kind of, you're saying those kind of two kind of names, I think I know which one I'd really prefer because Galatasaray, Champions League, of course, it's going to be a struggle for him to get in the starting 11 uh, because they've got players like, even though they are aging, Bafetin de Gomez, uh, Dries Mertens, of course, former Belgian uh, straight, uh, international player, played for Napoli as well. Um, it could be a good test for him. Um, I think from a Scottish point of view, uh, me and Calmore agree that if he does go to Galatasaray and he gets game time there, it's fantastic. Uh, we've got another striker option for Scotland. Uh, although Millwall, um, Millwall, Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, uh, back in England, like I said, top of the championship playoffs, outside chance to get to the Premier League with all of those teams. I, I, it's really going to be a tough decision. You know, we could maybe we could maybe see you know, uh, Kevin Nisbet as a Premier League striker in a couple of years if um, those teams do get promoted and he goes there. So we move on to Hibs women versus Park Thistle, fifth versus sixth. Hibs are winless in four matches in the SWPL at league split. Right. 
What do you think of this, Andrew Morrison? Uh, of course, uh, work for Hibs. Uh, Cal- yeah, it's Callum. Yeah, Callum. Cheers, man. Um, head, recently, um, as I say, they were kind of winless in four. They haven't scored in four matches as well, I believe. Uh, like you said, so um, despite the fact that they've recently um, had a six-nil sort of defeat against Rangers, um, and they lost the, uh, all the other three matches two-nil. Um, look at the outside looking in, it doesn't look too great. But honestly, with the performances I've seen, uh, they've been all right defensively. We've looked sharp enough. Um, I know, of course, like six goals, it doesn't sound like that, but I think in the context of the Rangers game where they did lose 6-0, and um, three of those goals came in five minutes. So whether it was just a kind of turn off of the players in that um, in that kind of five-minute spell, um, I don't know. But uh, performances are there, of course. It could really determine sort of the outcome of the season for Hibs. It's, I think, um, in recent years, looking at the SWPL, the Parks Motor Group, SWPL, as the sponsorships come in, I should say, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's been Hibs's worst performance season so far since the kind of Hibs, Hibs have kind of um, become a club. Um, but I think we should uh, kind of phrase that and contextualise it with the amount of money that Celtic and Rangers have brought into the SWPL, uh, SWPL now uh, in recent seasons. So despite a great start to the year, uh, the recent results have been speculated to be down to the injury crisis. Um, Ailey Adams will be coming back from international duty after captaining Scotland in the 19 versus Albania, scoring versus uh, third versus Albania, 5-0 and 7-0 against Liechtenstein. Good form for the strike force. What do you think of this, Andrew? Uh, like you said there, um, Ailey Adams, uh, she's now um, going to turn 20 in a few months, so that'll be her last um, match for the Scotland under-19s. Uh, it's great that she's scoring. Um, it means she's in good form for Hibs. Uh, she's played, I, I know that Rosie Livingston, it hasn't recently been in the Scotland squad, neither the Hibs squad, but she's got a great partnership with her. Uh, she's played internationals with Rosie Livingston as well, who's another great young player for Hibs. Uh, I think that, yeah, when you're kind of not scoring many goals uh, as a club, um, seeing that your striker is doing well international, and she's still young, uh, I think that's she's on 12 or 13, uh, 13 goals this season. So, um, yeah, like if, you're, if you're doing well internationally, that can only build well for club level. Uh, Lucy Parry as well, that's another Hibs player. He was on international duty, uh, played for England a couple of times in a 1-1 draw against Slovenia and a 1-0 loss against Spain. But I think with uh, defensively as well, she's a good young defender. She's on loan from Liverpool. She's had a good season so far. So I think from a Hibs point of view, um, it would be great to have her back on loan next season. Whether that will happen, I don't know. Um, I think it's just down to the manager's uh, preference over her. I, I think, personally, I think she's a great player, but we'll have to see what will happen uh, next season. Speaking of women's football, does women's football need more funding across the board in Scotland or does it risk having Celtic and Rangers dominate the leagues just like the men's? I think that, um, ask any sort of women's football fan, uh, since I've kind of mentioned it myself um, very briefly, um, yeah, in the past couple of years it's seen kind of massive um, improvements in sort of terms of funding, uh, both in teams and sort of training facilities and, and stuff like that, so... Um, I think, of course, it doesn't help when Celtic and Rangers dominate the men's league, which means that naturally they've got more money to spend. Yeah, more money, yeah. Um, maybe, yeah, I think seeing it now, there is definitely that kind of potential that Celtic and Rangers could dominate, especially the way they have, because a couple of years ago, um, Hibs were in the Scottish Women's Cup final. Uh, they won 9-0 against Celtic. This season, Hibs have struggled against Celtic, so that kind of... Uh, puts uh, results in its head so yeah um, does it need more funding 
it's always great to have more funding. I think the Sky the Sky deal, uh, where women's matches in her live on Sky was brilliant. Uh, the first domestic women's Scottish match was the League Cup final, uh, played at Tynecastle in December, I believe. That was great. Um, stuff like that, like Ian Crocker, the, essentially the voice of Scottish football for Sky Sports, commentating the game. Great exposure, great analysis. Uh, it's going to get more funding for that, but yeah, it's it's always great to have more funding just to bring this sort of um, women's game more professionally and bring it up to a standard that's respected, not just in Scotland, but also across Europe. Do you believe Glasgow um, Glasgow City women being thrown in the mix in the top three have at, has um, sort of uh, made Salic and Rang- uh, challenge Salic Rangers in the women's league? You say they're thrown in the mix. Uh, they've won the league, uh, apart from last, uh, before last season, sorry, when Rangers won it for the first time, they won the league ten times in a row, which... It's a bit ridiculous. Even the men's team can't beat that. Um, Celtic or Rangers. Uh, they've both teams have come close yeah. once as well. But uh, throwing them in the mix, it's always great. But like with the funding that Celtic and Rangers are going to get from the men's game, in a few years you might see them slip away or mm. you know sort of lose um, kind of dominance in the leagues, which last season they did because Rangers won the league for the first time. Um, it's always great to have that sort of another team in but you don't want it to be a sort of closed top three teams there's always a great it's always great to have kind of more teams coming in um yeah so now we move on to the rugby women's six nations uh, scores include england winning 58 to, to scotland seven france winning with 55 to scotland's now what do you think of this Callum duncan um i think this goes very closely to what you both were saying about the leagues needing more funding when you're saying with heart when you said so hard, so hard, uh, Hibs, sorry. Ailey Barber got that wrong at um, Hibs 25 event as well. <laughs> that's uh, she, she mentioned hearts when she meant Hibs, and you can uh, imagine the atmosphere in the room. Yeah, I was, uh, anyway, that's, that's a story for another day. Oh, I will just try and say I didn't, never said a thing there. Um, <laughs> nah, I think it's definitely 58-7 and 55-0 no against Scotland are major, major losses. It's Yeah, I would say, I'm not a rugby fan, but I would say looking at the scores, yeah, it's, it's not great from the outside in. Yeah, it, again, it very much goes to show that the way in which rugby has been like professionalised in the recent years, especially with that now just happened with women's game at the moment, you've got your teams like France and England who have been professional for quite, a, I'm not too sure, like the actual years and months and all that in itself, but um, you have been them professional. At the moment, England are pushing for club teams to provide pay for them as, as well as international setup. so it just goes to show how much more advanced the game is compared to Scotland and teams like Scotland and Wales who are only just starting in 20, January 2020 for Wales and December for Scotland in 2022. Um, like 12 Welsh players were only handed full-time contracts compared, and as well as Scotland, 28 players handed full-time contracts and that's only on a, a, like a physical basis as well. If they don't perform to the high levels, it is a, they have that like uncertainty like they might not be able to keep that professional base. So I think that definitely goes to show on the differences between these teams performing well and not performing well because if they don't have the funding if they don't have the like ability like, or chances to keep their high game up they're not going to compete with other teams to say the least yeah it's funny to see that as well you kind of say that scotland you need to do more with a women's team um, mm. despite the fact it's in a different sport do you, so do you think that there is maybe just um not enough funding across women's sport in general in scotland I think it would definitely go on. I would think it would definitely go to say that. I think with your obviously, I think it's obviously with football, it's very male dominated in Scotland. Obviously, with your team, I think it's not much male dominated. I think it's maybe club dominated. With like Celtic and Rangers, they are 
probably taking the majority of the money in the, in the yeah, whole they've, of Scotland. They've kinda, credit to them, they kind of seen that. Yeah, they've done. There was, there was maybe an audience for that. And yeah. Celtic and Rangers, even though um, they might so, dominate the women's leagues. So it was another case of needing much more sponsorship into the women's side of the game rather oh, than yeah, the men's. Yeah. Like okay. the, club, the clubs themselves are trying their best, but I think personally for me, it, it, there is a sort of a governmental issue there yeah. where the government could maybe could give you more with sponsorships oh, okay. and if, if they're allowed to, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, cheers, Adam. Yeah. Uh, with sponsorships and uh, grants and that as well, that's yeah. always got to help. Uh, I know they can probably do a thing um, youth-wise with that as well. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, issues yeah. like Brexit doesn't help as well when you're kind of limited to the sort of players you can yeah. buy, um, especially in the women's game. I know back, going back to football briefly, uh, Pebs at the start of the season, uh, they didn't have great results because, kind of like now, they didn't have many players to choose from yeah. because back then there was a massive visa issue. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see that, yeah. of course, um, the women's rugby is also kind of struggling a bit. It keeps cutting off. That's <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Um, on a bit more positive note, though, compared to the women's game, um, uh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh men's team, they are facing their final game of the domestic season against Ulster when they go off to Belfast. They are placing, Ulster are sitting second in their league at the moment with 12 runs from 17 compared to Everton. Ev- sorry, Everton. Edinburgh's poor season of six wins from 17. It's been a, a tough season to say the least. They have a lot of players leaving, such as like key players as Damien Hoyland and Henry Pargos, who have been pivotal for the last few seasons. And him leaving has definitely had a toll on the club. I think they've lost a lot of confidence in the last wee while. Despite good form in the last couple of games against like major wins against Ospreys and things like that, other teams like split with players such as Darcy Graham, Hamish Watson, Miliano Buffelli coming back from injury, all getting on the score sheets. It is showing they're starting to play a game with more free flow and a lot hap- a lot more positive feel around the team. A game like this to finish off the league where Ulster have got to win the game to gu- guarantee a home playoff, whereas Edinburgh are coming with nothing to lose, so they're going to throw everything at them to kind of disrupt Ulster's season. Apart from that, going forward for next season, they've got good chances with like a lot of signings such as Ewan Ashman and Scott Steele coming in, and then obviously a lot more of internationalists and British Irish Lions signing new contracts for the club. So next season should be a lot more, lot more positive to say the least. But just see where that goes from now. So while the season might be ending on a low for Edinburgh, they've got quite a lot of good things to look oh, forward to next season, aren't they? Don't definitely, they? yeah. Like obviously at the moment, their coach Mike Blair is set to step down at the end of this season. They're not too sure. Steve, like obviously you had um, Steve Diamond coming not that long ago to as like a director role, but it's not. There's a lot of speculation over who's going to take over that role at the moment. No one really stepping up to see oversee that yet. So as more as time comes, we'll get to more know more about that. Do you, do you believe there it will be a fresh start for the Scottish capital in terms of rugby and stuff? Oh, hundred percent. Obviously, they still had a strong season in Europe, like being teams of like top leagues and like players like Saracens. Um, so I think hopefully they can kind of transfer that confidence from Europe into the domestic leagues. Next Just new signings. Do you believe that they will be bringing a fresh sort of? Uh, approach to the football team um, rugby team <laughs> in terms of tactics uh, definitely they're both coming from the English Premiership leagues so it's obviously a different style of play down there um, they're coming from teams that are very much like ball in hand it's quick quick hands players they are going to be very good to get into that with the player teaming up with players like Blair Kinghorn David Darcy Graham and like a lot of your centres like Mark Bennett they should be able to kind of slot into that team and hopefully try and find a lot of the, the, player, the current players best abilities to try and crack down the other teams in the league. Do you believe that there might be sort of complaints that there's less homegrown and Scottish players in the team from the fans that have followed the team for a long time? I think 
that's obviously a very big issue in Scottish rugby at the moment. You kind of look in the international side and you've got a lot of non you're not looking we've not got a lot of homegrown players to say at least I think we've got the most international born players in any of the international team at the moment. And I think that does come down to the the grassroots game. It's not anywhere near as it should be. Obviously being Scotland's second sport it's not gonna and they're never gonna have the numbers. They are always gonna have to go abroad for players and kind of look into those loopholes and stuff like that. But it definitely does need a lot more homegrown because you look at the under twenties, they're never they're never nowhere near performing to the standards that they should be compared to like England. And just to cut yeah, just to cut on for a second, would you say that um there is a positive with using a lot of international players though? Because I, that's you kinda of grow the game abroad. Yeah. Maybe it's not great yeah. um in their own country, but abroad is the, I think, the kind of the growth is there. Yeah, but definitely because all of our players come from South Africa and they're obviously a very strong rugby nation. It's players that wouldn't even get a look in there. They would never get near an international side over there, so they come here, they develop their game, and then they can go and compete against like, the, likes, the likes of their home nation of South Africa and New Zealand and all these kind of other teams, as well as in the fact that I think is more, if we didn't have this like sourcing of players abroad, we wouldn't be able to compete with these teams. We'd be looking more, we'd be going, I think we're sitting, what, fifth, in, fifth or sixth in the world rankings right now. If it wasn't for these international players, we'd be like sitting at 10th. Anywhere below ten, we know we never get the chance to develop as a nation again. Yeah. Okay. So there's yeah, there's definitely a balance to be struck with. So, mm-hmm. so the issue overall is having too many players from abroad in the Scottish league, which mm-hmm. lowers the you know the quality of the yeah. Scottish national team itself. Ah. Uh, it doesn't. I would say having the international players definitely improves the game a lot over here. I think if it just it just needs that promotion, it needs like they need to find that balance of homegrown players and true. abroad players. I think. They need to. They just need to promote the game a lot more than they do. I don't think they're putting. They're putting too much money into going abroad for players when they should be developing the game here because we do have a lot of homegrown talent here. At the same time, having uh, players from other countries in the league means that the homegrown players themselves are tested much more because you've yeah. got different styles of play and exactly. you know, more more intensity. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think about that? I think um, coming across, I, I think Scotland have always played a very similar. They've always never really played too different to like what they played in years they've always had the same kind of style of game it's not until recently you have players that are that have gone either come from abroad or they've gone to go and like play in the likes of france and they play different they brought a style of play back to the country and it's improved the game a lot and it's gone down the ranks as well into the lower leagues thank you very much callum and thank you very much andrew we're going to be signing off here after a great sports podcast thank you for listening thank, thank you Mello. thank you